Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, where we take a glance into blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, and as always, I'm joined by my partner in film, Devin. And today, we're going to be giving you a double feature review of Barbie and Oppenheimer, also known as Barbenheimer. The day that changed the world forever. (laughs) <laughs> and the world was never the same again. <laughs> I don't think we've I don't think we've seen a change in the world since Dustin sung the never ending story in the end of Stranger Things season three. My day was like my my life was like forever changed after that moment. I'm just glad we're in the middle of cinematic history. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. I mean, obviously movies drop on the same weekend or the same day, you know, weekend all the time. But it's very rare where you get something that's, you know, complete opposites of each other. And we haven't seen this really, at least to my knowledge, since uh, Mamma Mia and The Dark Knight when it hit uh, theaters uh, this year is its 15th anniversary of its release. But before we begin today's episode, Devin, you can listen to our podcast on podcast platforms around the internet. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And if you are a new or seasoned listener to the show, we would love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram and follow us on Twitter and threads at Film Optics. That is optics with an X. Or you can email us at filmoptics at gmail.com for any movie-related questions. Devin, how was your week? It's been a long one for me. I mean, this is the busiest week for movies we've probably ever had. Barbenheimer alone would have been enough. But then we had Haunted Mansion thrown in there. And there's just so much happening. Yeah. Have you been uh, watching anything TV-wise or kind of just sticking with the movies since it's kind of taken over our life this week? Um, I have been watching uh, the new season of The Righteous Gemstones here and there. That's always a good good go-to comedy. Oh, what is that on Max or is that? Yeah, it's Max. Okay, that's where I thought I saw it. Is is so that's it's something worth checking out. Oh yeah, if you're um if you're a, a Danny fan, then definitely. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I've been uh, chiseling my way through season two of Succession. I don't know. It just literally blanked from my mind there for a second. But yeah, I've been watching that. Uh, you know, just doing some community rewatch as I often do. And outside of that, yeah, this week was actually really busy. We saw Haunted Mansion on Monday and then we saw Oppenheimer on Tuesday. I was supposed to go see Talk to Me on Wednesday, but I was not scared. I was just Oppenheimer really yeah, took a Yeah, yeah, Wow. As I was saying before, I was Talk really... to me after you see the movie. How about that? <laughs> wow. Okay. You like okay. that one? Wow. De- Devin woke up today and chose violence. That is... Woo. Anyway, I was going to see Talk to Me on Wednesday. But yeah, Oppenheimer did take a lot out of me. And then I saw... Barbie on Thursday. So it would have been four movies for me back to back to back to back, but I had to take a bit of a break. (laughs) If talk to me was on Tuesday and Oppenheimer was on Thursday or Wednesday, I might've went to go see talk to me, but 
there was just a like Oppenheimer takes a lot out of you, but yes, that is my, um, <laughs> I guess a summary of my, my crazy, crazy week, uh, outside of that, just been, uh, yeah. Chilling. You playing any new games lately? Still playing Diablo four. Yeah. I've been playing that here and there. Not really as much, but get, I'm getting a matching click next week. So that'll be on the docket. Oh, yeah, that's right. I almost forgot about that. I am finally, I picked back up my steam deck again, dusted it off. Well, not really dusted it off, but, um, cause I was playing through gardens of the galaxy. I was like, I really just want to play this on my PC. So I switched over to um the shadow of the tomb raider to kind of finish out that trilogy um so there's that i don't know if i'm gonna i might just skip bioshock 2 and go straight to infinite because i do not feel like playing as a big daddy at all i just if it makes you feel better it's very short like five like five hours oh okay then yeah i'll definitely um try it out then for sure but as we have mentioned before as we digress from our weekly housekeeping for you guys. Did you, did you play any Barbie games? Are you going to pick any up? <laughs> Dude, no. There's, my gosh. Like, I mean, obviously Barbie's been around for a long time. But, like, do you know how many video games of Barbie are out there? It's probably one of, like, the easiest games to, like, complete 100%. Like, if you wanted to, like, 100% that game. Or, like, Platinum it or, you know, whatever, the Xbox um, equivalent of that is. But <laughs> my sister has a lot of Barbie DVD movies out there. And after seeing this Barbie movie, I'm like, perhaps I treated you too harshly. <laughs> Don't want to become a weird Barbie. No, 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 not at all. That, that was, that was perfect by the way. But as we mentioned before today, we're going to be doing a double feature review of Barbie. Then we're going to skedaddle on over to Oppenheimer. So for our Barbie review, it is going to be a spoiler free section for that review. When it comes to Oppenheimer, I'm sorry, but you can't really, there's no spoilers to be had because you, you can't spoil historical events that have already happened. So we're just going to talk about the movie as is. And that's the way it's going to (laughs) be. So without further delay, we'll be right back after this introduction to Barbie. Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! Hi, Ken! With the radio fast and goes cruising just as fast as she can now. I thought I might stay over tonight. Why? Because we're girlfriend boyfriend. To do what? I'm actually not sure. Okay, ladies, let's do this. What are you doing here? I'm coming with you. Did you bring your rollerblades? I literally go nowhere without them. Uh, 
Oh, looks like this beach is a little too much beach for you, Ken. If I wasn't severely injured, I would beat you off right now, Ken. I'll beach off with you any day, Ken. Anyone who wants to beach him off has to beach me off first. I will beach both of you off at the same time. Beach both oh, of us off? Beach. Nobody's going to beach anyone off. And we are back with our spoiler-free review of Barbie. This film is directed by the Greta Gerwig and is written by Greta Gerwig and her husband, Noah Baumbach, and stars Margot Robbie, Issa Rae, Ryan Gosling, Kate McKinnon, and so much more. Like, it is a star-studded cast. Everyone has their little moment, their time to shine, and I absolutely love it. But the synopsis of this movie is as follows. To live in Barbie land is to be a perfect being in a perfect place. Unless you have a full-on existential crisis or you're a Ken. But I want to say to all the male, the guy listeners out there, you are Kenuff. We are Kenuff. We are Kenuff. We are are Ken. Ken is me. <laughs> Ken is me. But as I mentioned, this is going to be spoiler-free thoughts all around, so we're not going to give any major plot beats away from this movie, so I'm going to pass it over to Devin so we can give his initial reactions to Barbie. Yeah, going into this one, I feel like there's just kind of some confusion widespread around what even this movie was going to be, because it's like, do we expect it to be a Barbie movie for kids who like Barbies or are we expecting it to be more of a comedic take, like kind of a tongue in cheek Barbie movie? And I'm, I'm glad to say that it is more so just a straight up comedy, like a comedy set in the Barbie world. They didn't they didn't cater to kids, which I guess uh, could be an issue depending on if you want to take your, your little kids to it or not, because there are definitely some jokes here and there that that, uh, that toe that line a little bit. But. Um, I would say overall, I was trying to think of like a way to, to compare it, what to compare this movie to. And the only thing I come up with, it's kind of like matrix mixed with cat in the hat and all with a coat of like pink paint. That's just what oh. popped in my head. <laughs> okay. It, it gave me like cat in the hat vibes with all like the, the colorful sets and all the wacky characters and like some stuff popping out of their world into the, the real world. That's just the best comparison that came to my mind. And then Matrix, obviously, like the, the whole existential crisis and uh, <laughs> d- trying to choose your destiny in this world, which is something that Barbie has to go through. And it's very entertaining. Um, this cast is just unbelievable. Obviously, Margot Robbie, she's going to kill it every time. Ryan Gosling, he's he hasn't done many comedic roles. Whenever he does, it's absolutely hilarious. Like The Nice Guys <laughs> is probably one of my top five favorite comedies of all time. And he's amazing in that. He's also amazing in, the, in this as Ken. Just the delivery and some of the lines and some of the just the stuff he does in the background is just it's hilarious. Yeah, it'll get you it'll get you chuckling when you're not when you're least expecting it. He's just in the background like dancing, and it's like okay, go off, Ken. <laughs> go off, Ken. But yeah, it's just it's just a really fun time. I couldn't agree more. And you know, I've been I've been looking at people's um, reactions to Barbie after I saw the movie. I didn't really want to see like anyone's reactions prior to, but I will say I will give a quick little shout out to Mr. Uh, Jacob uh, Thromberry. Um, he actually did the written review over at In Session Film. Uh, definitely check out his work. Uh, but he basically said that. 
to p- long story short, uh, Barbie makes imperfection perfect, which is really what this movie is all about. Um, when it comes to just discovering who you are and being okay with uh, being comfortable within your own skin and just having the confidence to take the day by storm, you know, putting your pants on one day, um, one leg at a time, I should say. And, you know, when it comes to this cast, like Devin said, there's there are so many Barbies in this movie. There are so many Kens in this movie that, you know, they were really able to show the they were really able to show like the the culmination of what Barbie really stands for you know like there's there's been a lot of controversy surrounding Barbie you know when it comes to the modern uh female role model and you know I feel like we've seen a few of those controversies come up when we were kids but you know that film addresses those controversies and puts a positive spin on it. And I think if anything, this movie really does push the idea or the conception of Barbie in a different direction. And Ken, of course, because, you know, it's always just been Barbie and Ken. Ken's never really had his own identity because, you know, he was kind of like an accessory for Barbie in a way. But yeah, it's it is so beautiful. Like I agree with what you're saying when it's like, okay, who is this film for? Who is it targeted for? For me, I think it's targeted towards like the tweens and the teens and up. But I think little it's not geared toward little kids, but it's not like little kids can't see it, but that is more of a, you know, up to a parental decision, whether or not, like it's not raunchy, but there are adult jokes. It's almost like it's kind of like SpongeBob, but not really, if that makes any sense. Cause there's a lot of adult jokes in SpongeBob, but that is geared towards children. But I feel like once kids get into like their teenage years, They'll start to understand some more of the jokes, but yeah, that's not a bad comparison. Yeah, but it also it's like, are kids really going to pay attention to this? You know, if they're, if you know, if if a five year old wants to go see this, are they really just going to pay attention to what's even saying? Like you know, what what people are saying on screen, they just want to see Barbie. They want to see Ken. They they want to see all the pink. They want to see Barbie Land. That is why. They are there. You know, want to know why? Because when we reviewed Frozen 2, I went to an early screen, an early morning screening. Biggest mistake of my life. But the um, <laughs> because the theater was packed with children. But there was a few of us kind of like sitting a father up. And, you know, all the parents went to go take their kids to go see it. You know, these are like three, four, five, six-year-olds, things of that nature. And they're just running around. And then anytime Elsa or Anna came up on screen, they're like, oh, look, it's Elsa, Anna. And then like, oh, it's Sven. That, that was literally like they, they did not pay attention to that movie at all. But they wanted to see the movie. So their, so their parents took them to see it. That's how I would view this movie. If, if parents are thinking about taking... They're littlins. They're <laughs> they're they're chillins. <laughs> they're littins. <laughs> they're 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 little toddlers altogether. 
But I really adore this movie. And so also, um, I was talking to my mom about this. She was like, oh, she's like, are you seeing that Barbie movie this weekend? I was like, yeah, I'm seeing it Thursday. She's like, oh, she's like, she's like, I don't know. It just looks so pink to me. And I was like, mom, I don't know how to break it to you, but that's kind of on brand for Barbie. <laughs> on Tuesdays, on Thursdays, we're pink. Yep. <laughs> but also she was like, oh, but like, I, she's like, oh my gosh, but Margot Robbie's in it. Like, I bet you she's going to do such a great job. I'm like, and she was listing off everyone in the cast. Like she loves everyone in this cast. I was like, mom, I think. You should just go see the movie if you, you know, like don't, don't judge a book by its pink cover kind of situation. I'm like, she's complaining that the movie looks so pink, but she loves all the actors and actresses in it. I'm like, then you should just go see the movie. And I think she's actually going to go see it this weekend. I'm very, very excited. And like, I didn't want to tell her what it was about. I'm like, I just want you to go to watch it. And let me know your thoughts. Cause I think this is a special movie. Like obviously everyone can relate to but for um, for women, it is a very important movie with a very, very important message about, you know, what the what what the like traditional female role model or mother or Barbie should be. And, you know, in 2023 and in the era that we're in. So I thought it was very, very special, but. I apologize for hijacking here talking, but Devin, is there anything else you wanted to bring up in our non-spoiler section of our review of Barbie? Got to give a shout out to Michael Sarah playing Alan in this one. Just another great, great role. Alan, Ken's friend. Yeah, no, but I, I love like the aesthetic of this movie. Like when it comes to Alan and the rest of the Barbies and the Kens and obviously the real world and going back to Barbie land, it's, it's like night and day like this, you know, the, the way that how Barbie or stereotypical Barbie um, played by Margot Robbie is in this movie. Like, you know, it's, you know, she gets up, she, you know, gets ready for the morning. Every day is a perfect day. Everyone is looking their best, you know, no matter what shade color or size that they are everyone is looking their best and they are here to slay the day away <laughs> and it is just beach party 24 7 every night is girls night and it's just kens and barbies all around and i i love the vibe the the production design it made you feel like you were in to- like a toy land these, and, the sets were so crazy. Like I don't even know how they built some of them. Like the Barbie houses were like it just looked like a Barbie house, but real like life size. Yeah, like Barbie's dream house. It's like oh my gosh, it's Barbie's dream house. Like that is a phenomenal dream house. Something I would love. You know, obviously like a guy version, but like I don't know if I could do it with all the pink. Maybe a little bit here and there. You need a. Uh what was Ken's house called? Uh, <laughs> it was the, um, <laughs> it was the, oh my God, wait, oh, I don't know if we should say it. It is so funny, but it it's me, 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 casa, asu, casa. It was definitely a casa. It was a casa. It was a dojo. It was a house all wrapped into one. Let's just put it that way. But I loved his house. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just just hand me a, hand me a nice brewski beer. Let's sit down and watch The Godfather. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm, I'm more of a Goodfellas guy, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> but honestly, there's a lot to explain in The Godfather because The Godfather, the first one, doesn't explain itself all that much when it comes to certain scenes. But I digress. But yeah, um, I actually, I actually have an idea for, as kind of a uh, a counter to this movie that somebody could make. What's up? Lay it on me. A very special somebody. <laughs> the year is 2026. Okay. Coming out fall, we have Bratz the movie, Dude. directed by directed by Zack Snyder. Oh, we need the Edge Lord himself. Pretty and pink. <laughs> no, we're here and we're Bratz and we're in charge. What was the Bratz catchphrase? Um. Was it passion for fashion? Possibly. I just know that they're like they're just like the edgy Barbie, basically. Yeah. No, they they literally were. My my sister had brats like growing up. I actually I mean, you know this, but <laughs> I think I think my sister was more more Polly Pockets. When's that movie coming out? Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I don't I love how, you know, when it comes to Margot Robbie and just the rest of the Barbies and Kens, you know, the way that they eat, the way that they drink, it's like, oh, when they drink, it's just it's just a plastic cup. There's nothing in it. So like to them, that's normal. And they're just like, oh my gosh. Like it's it's so even the, the very beginning of this movie is this perfection. <laughs> I love what Greta Gerwig has done with this. I love her acting style. I love how it was so well written as well and has a lot of those um just emotional moments. I think I think everyone should go see this movie. I think everyone should go see both of these movies, but definitely go see this movie first because you're, it's shorter than Oppenheimer. And you know, then you can kind of go. This one's definitely better as an appetizer than having to follow after Oppenheimer. Yeah. Cause we saw Oppenheimer first and then we saw Barbie because we, we were able to uh, uh, have an early screening of Oppenheimer. So that's why apart. Yeah, two days apart. So it was kind of nice for us. So, you know, I know everyone's doing like the double feature, like within one day. If you are, God bless your soul, because I do not have the energy for that. How, how was your how was your theater? Mine was like there's people dressed up in like all pink, like cowboy outfits. Like they're, they're really? going all out. Yeah. See, did you see it at, at night, like during the evening or was it midday? No, I saw it Friday at like five. Or no, it's no Thursday. So today's Friday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I saw it on Thursday as well, around four forty-five. Like, yeah, th- Thursdays are usually the, the more like fanatical times. Yeah, it's the early showings. Yeah, unfortunately, no one was dressed in pink, but my theater was pretty packed, and people were laughing along. Um, there was this one couple right next to me, like this girl was like on her phone again, and I'm like, I, I don't. Am I cursed? <laughs> because like this I, I had a couple, happening. I had a couple teens next to me that kept kept whispering and laughing. And yeah, making comments. I, f- I felt like an old guy. I was like, "Can you quiet down, please?" <laughs> you gosh I'm trying to kids. listen to the Barbie movie. <laughs> you gosh down kids, <laughs> keep it down. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Like no, I felt the same way. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, we're we're on. We're not old, but like, you know, we're. We're, we're, I mean, I'm already 31, so <laughs> you have a few more years, but, 
but it's like no it's it's true because the the couple next to me and not not only were they texting but they were like whispering and stuff and i was like i mean i get that they're trying to be discreet by whispering but then they're whispering like this you know you know and it's like it, it, it's, it doesn't work it never works never has and i'm like yo if you're just gonna talk through the entire movie just wait for it to hit streaming in a few months because i i want this movie to make a billion dollars i want barbie to make a billion dollars <laughs> but let's get into our final thoughts and ratings so we can move on with the rest of the episode Devin, what are your final thoughts and rating for barbie yeah, final thoughts. Definitely a fun movie. I'm glad they went the comedic route. Um, <laughs> I guess it more so just caters to us as adults. Um, I, I was kind of worried it would have been hard to find a balance between, obviously, Barbies are for kids for the most part, but they found a way to make it comedic for adults nonetheless, unless you're a certain <laughs> certain somebody on Twitter that, that doesn't, <laughs> like, doesn't like anything to be quote-unquote woke, then this one's not for you. I'm not sure why you saw it early in the first place, but... Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good time at the movies. Definitely a lot of laughs. Love Ryan Gosling in this one. He, he really carries it for me. And I think he, he might get a nomination for Ken, which is kind of hilarious. I think so. Yeah. Oh, that would be great if he does. Like, everyone's just having so much fun with this film. But I digress. Continue. The only real issues for me, there, there are a few times where it gets just like a little too silly and over the top. Like... Mm. They lose they lose some of the subtleness that that can make <laughs> some scenes really funny. And then for me, the very ending was kind of abrupt. It reminded me of like Ant- the Ant Man Quantum Mania ending, where it's just like, really, that's that's how we're ending it. And it also felt a bit like an undercut, kind of an emotional moment that happened a little before. So I didn't love the, the like the final scene and how that ended. But other than that. Definitely oh, you time. don't like how it ended, like the, yeah, like the that, final that, scene. That last line, and then they just cut <laughs> to the credits. So I was like, uh, I don't know about that. I loved it, but that's just me. But I, I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Other than that, I mean, it's a good time. Uh, I'm so glad that we just had this moment in history with these two great movies. Are both, first of all, they're both great, which is yeah. kind of rare to have in the same weekend. And also, they're both like cooperating with each other, and they're both supporting each other, which never happens in Hollywood. And just a good time overall. And I'm glad people are, are making it into a meme and making it happen. It's, it's unlike past movies where it becomes a meme and then still flops the box office, like Morbius. This is actually a meme that has success, and I'm glad that actually happened. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, that that's very true. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. What would you rating wise? What would you give Barbie? I would I would probably give it like an 86 overall. 86. Okay. Okay. Um, for me, uh, I, I mean, you know, my my final thoughts pretty much align with Devin's. Um, I absolutely love the ending. Um, I thought it was just a great way to just cut it, and it's like, it, it I didn't even expect that to happen. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? But of course, you know, Will Ferrell's in this film as well, you know, doing a lot of Will Ferrell things. It's kind of in the background running around doing his own thing. But no, I, I really did enjoy this movie. I, I would, like, like Devin said, both Barbie and Oppenheimer are great. Um, and I think everyone should go see both of them because like these are both like peaks. Like these are both like, I mean, I know. I know obviously Barbie isn't like the movie isn't necessarily an original idea because there has been other Barbie movies before, but 
I don't know if there's been any other Barbie live action. And if there has, this is definitely like the thing to watch. Like I would own this on Blu-ray, like 100%. Like I, I will be picking this up once it you mean pink ray? shelves. Huh? You mean pink ray? It's definitely going to be pink. Oh, oh my dude. It definitely, it better be pink. And I want, I want Ken's face right there. <laughs> All the, Ken's. And I want the, I want the Oppenheimer one to be fiery red. You know what? They should really just release like a double pack feature. Even though, you know, Warner like Barbie is Warner Brothers and then Oppenheimer's Oppenheimer could have been Warner Brothers, but they had to mess around to find out with Mr. Nolan. <laughs> yes, they yes, they did, for sure. But um I, I just I adore this movie. I, I'm gonna give this like a solid ninety. Like a ninety out of a hundred. No movie is perfect, of course, you know. I feel like there are a few um, plot things that kind of just like disappear into the backgrounds, but overall, it's like my gosh, it just aesthetically, I was just blown away. I'm like, this, this looks, this is like one of the most attractive movies I've ever seen in my entire life. So, as a median or as our official podcast score for Barbie, so I gave it a ninety. Devin gave it a eighty-six, both out of a hundred. And the official podcast score is an 88 out of 100 for Barbie. So that is a wrap on our Barbie review, our spoiler-free review of Barbie. So now I actually uh, actually came up. I came up with a perfect transition to use between Barbie and Oppenheimer. I just, okay, go I ahead. Just popped in my head. It just felt right in this in this world in this life. You either die again or you live long enough to become an oppie. Oh, I like that. I love it. I love that so much. So you get you get the best of both worlds, and it's the dark night tie-in too. That's, that's yes. just perfect. That is that is a great segue, Devin. So with that said, we'll be right back after this introduction to Oppenheimer. Imagine a future, and our imaginings horrify us. They won't fear it until they understand it. And they won't understand it. until they've used it. Theory will take you only so far. I don't know if we can be trusted with such a weapon. But we have no choice. happening here. 
And we are back with our Oppenheimer review again. This is not going to be a spoiler review because you can't spoil what already happened in history. I don't know why people are adding spoiler-free review what, to what their- if you're taking a history class and somebody read ahead the, the history book and spoiled it. And you're like, oh, why are you spoiling it? Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, th- this is a spoiler review. That There's no such thing as a spoiler-free review of Oppenheimer. Like you can get your first initial reactions, but like, yeah, if you know what happened during World War II, you're you're all caught up to speed. If you know about the Manhattan Project, you're all caught up to speed. If you know about the bombs that hit on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan, you are all caught up to speed. If you know who Oppenheimer is, you're all caught up to speed. You're you know it's it's fine, especially for the history buffs. Now I know everyone isn't a history buff, but you guys should have learned this in school. Because we did. <laughs> I don't know what el- everyone else is doing, but yeah, definitely, definitely learned the bare bones. But this really, uh, it's really expanded on it. No, it, yeah, it really did. Of course, like it's you know we we know the you know the the cliff notes, uh, what have you. But this movie is directed by the Christopher Nolan and written by Christopher Nolan himself as well. All all by himself, all by his lonesome. And this movie stars Cillian Murphy. Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Florence Pugh, Josh Peck, Jack Quaid, and so, so much more. And, of course, the synopsis, the story of an American scientist, J. Robert Oppenheimer, and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. Again, history. (laughs) So, I'm going to pass it over to Devin so he can give his initial reactions to Oppenheimer. Oh, Oppie. Um, yeah, going into this one, I'm I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan, so this is this is always going to be top of the list as far as excitement and and hype um, when this was coming out. It's also just really cool to see Cillian Murphy get kind of a leading role type. Uh, he's usually like the scarecrow or in the background in these movies, but he finally takes mm-hmm. the reins, and my God, he kills it! Like. He just looks like the the freaking Grim Reaper. Like yeah. he's basically just evolves in Oppenheimer. He's only eating an almond a day on set, and like <laughs> emaciating himself for this role. Like he just went all out, and it it really shows because he did an amazing job. Um, Emily Blunt was phenomenal, obviously, and Florence Pugh never disappoints. But Robert Downey Jr. just steals the show out of nowhere because I know you said we learned about. Uh, Oppenheimer and the Manhattan Project, but I had never heard of Louis Strauss before, but now I know who that is, and it's yeah. definitely an interesting character, and I guess if there were anything to spoil, that would be it, his his character, and what ends up happening with his his arc, and that how that affects the story, because it was a bit of a twist. Um, I think yeah. if you don't know who it is going in, then it kind of acts as a twist for the movie, which is very, really cool that they built that in, because I had never heard of him, and it, it made things very interesting. So I guess in that capacity... That is something that could be spoiled, but this movie just kind of blows you away, <clears throat> pun intended, because <laughs> ev- everything everything technically about this movie is pretty much perfect. Like the visuals are incredible, no CGI used. Christopher Nolan made sure to mention that it's all done practically, either using like small models or or even like some real explosions. Um, the sound is amazing, the score is amazing. When you watch this in an IMAX theater, the sound just 
just rocks you. Like it's yeah. insane. It, like that at the very beginning, the first five minutes, like I know it's it's like a it's like a, sh- a shell shock. It's like hey, welcome to this world. But yeah, the the direction obviously is amazing. The writing is so sharp, like razor sharp writing throughout the whole movie and. For the most part, this movie really is just people talking in rooms. And mm-hmm. when you can do that for three hours and keep somebody like me interested, because for me, I'd say history and science are like my two least favorite subjects in school. So this is I like agree. both of those combined. So it's like for that to keep me invested the whole three hours, like that is an achievement because I was mm. I was unfazed and I was just like ready to see what happens. And it delivered. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, Devin, I wanted to ask you really quick, were you able to see this in 70 millimeter IMAX? It was not 70 millimeter, but was IMAX. It was still rocking, still rocking that boat. I feel it. I feel it. So, um, for me, I, I absolutely love Nolan. Um, it depends on his film. I haven't seen all of his, uh, filmography, but most of them I have definitely seen. Uh, Memento is one of my blind spots for sure. But when it comes to Oppenheimer, I will say I was I, I live in one of the lucky states that um, has a a true I guess you could say a true IMAX theater where it is 70 millimeter and it was pretty freaking. Yeah, there's awesome. only like 20 of those in the whole country somehow. I don't know why. Yeah, we can't start sprouting those up more places. Yeah, I, I agree. So it's it's very um it was surreal because so the entire movie, first and foremost, was not is not played in the full 70 millimeter IMAX, which is like true IMAX. The standard IMAX, you know, when someone says, Oh, it was shot in IMAX, that I mean that still looks good, but it's just a small bit of the top and the bottom that are cut off that I never realized before until I watched Oppenheimer in 70 millimeter IMAX, but I will say before I get into like my actual thoughts, it was so cool to hear the projector and the film. Like you've seen like what the film looks like, the seven 70 millimeter, like that huge reel that's been going around on social yeah, media build rooms around it. Yeah. Like, so as soon as it started, like you get the, the entire movie Devin, it was awesome like i was like oh because you know most movies we watch are in digital so like hearing that projector run in the background while you're watching this movie that has like you know, it, and obviously like film grain like it looked so freaking authentic and when it first started out i've never seen a screen that tall in my entire life and like Devin had said the the soundtrack just the audio mix was just like boom like oh my gosh it was crazy like, it's crazy like you're on a good. roller like you're on a roller coaster in your chair basically literally and so i mean obviously the more scenic shots and whatnot and the the bigger moments are um shot in the 70 millimeter imax but it would cut back to these excuse me it would cut back to the standard imax for most of the movie well I would say it was about maybe maybe 50-50, maybe 60-40, maybe 60% 70 millimeter, 40% uh, standard IMAX. I would have to see it again, but it felt very close. 
So the only thing I would say is that it took me out of it just a little bit because I wanted to see it in that, you know, the full 70 millimeter the entire time. Um, and to quote Jacob Thronberry again, because he was at our screening, and I think his initial reaction kind of resonates with my thoughts. Um, he said that Oppenheimer um, is a lot to take in. This is him on Twitter at tberry57. Um, he said that Oppenheimer is a lot to take in story-wise, um, which I agree with, because it's essentially almost like three storylines interweaving. Um, and he said also, uh, causing some pacing issues during, th- during its three hour run, run time, but the performance of Silly Murphy and of course the rest of the cast, um, and the sound work, um, which he actually said in quote, they will not be any better this year for the sound work and the ambitious, um, but rewarding visuals makes this movie like one of Nolan's best. And I have to agree because it was Phenomenal. I absolutely loved this movie. I like, like Devin has said, you know, it's most of the movies, it's a very dialogue heavy film. And I was just glued to the screen, like every conversation that was happening. The way, was the way so Nolan invented. does his, his classic, like, um, there's different time frames and he, the way he just plays on time, like he does with every movie, because there's, there's certain scenes that are in black and white, and then you can tell, okay, that's during the interrogation. And there's certain scenes that are, in Oppenheimer's past, and you can tell because he has a little bit more hair, and then he's just kind of intertwine all of those, and then to have it culminate all at the end, where the last hour and the last thirty minutes are just kind of all coming together, and it just it just yeah. wraps up so nicely. It is. I I re- the last thirty minutes really ramped it up. I will say after you know the. The, you know, the big bomb explosion scenes that everyone's been talking about. It kind of like, after, like maybe 20 minutes after the pacing started like teetering off a bit, but then it picked back to up, up, at least for me. But my gosh, like if Emily Blunt and of course Florence Pugh, like even though I, I'm going all over the place, but when it comes to the talent in this film, not only obviously Silly Murphy is carrying this movie on his back and it, uh, I absolutely loved seeing him in the front, you know, front and center of a Nolan film, but you know, everything that Emily Blunt does, of course, Matt Damon and Florence Pugh, as well as um, Josh Peck and Jack Quaid, you know, like they didn't have, they, they had small roles, but they were very important roles, especially Josh Peck. I think he has a very important role. <laughs> he has, he has the fun role that everybody wants to do in this movie. Uh, when it comes to pushing the big red button. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Josh Peck gets to do this? This is awesome. And I absolutely love it. But, you know, Florence Pugh playing like the second, or I guess I guess you could say the first love interest of Oppenheimer's. Um, and then, of course, Emily Blunt coming a little bit later. Yeah, who knew Oppenheimer had this much riz? Like, man full of Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt? <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Hey man, it it was, and of course this movie. Do not go take your kids to see this movie. Yeah, it's 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 rated R. It is, but um, one of my friends actually brought his kid to go see it. He usually brings his kids like pretty much everything. <laughs> it was so Even funny. Though, I guess the, they're blessing that kid with some Florence Pugh views. <laughs> he he didn't say anything. He just sat there and watched the movie. I'm but, sure. Uh, I'm sure he did. He just <laughs> life changing moment for him. So uh, this is uh, my friend's name is Dom. He brought his his uh, 
you know, like I said, he brought his kid to go see the movie. And it was funny because once like the big explode, you know, when, when they're, you know, the big explosions happen, <laughs> his kid thought the movie was over. <laughs> oh, buddy. He's, he said, I thought it was going to end after the explosions. Cause it was leading up to that moment. Like the entire first, like two hours was leading up to that moment. And then when it happens, all oh, when it happens, I've like, I mean, I was already the, the, wide awake. I, I, they were, they were kind of like hyping this up beforehand, saying like, this is like almost a horror movie. And you can see what they were talking about when it's like, cause there were like legit jump scares in this with the sounds yes. that, that <laughs> popped up and you can definitely see where no one's coming from with that. And it's just so good. It really, no, it really was like, there were a lot of horror elements, uh, thriller horror elements in this film. And man, I, when I say I've never been jittered in a theater before in a very long time, it was like, Oh my God. Like I thought I was already awake watching the movie and then some crazy stuff happens. And it was like, I was like, ah, huh. like it was just shaking me down to my core, <laughs> especially in seven, 70 millimeter, man. It was, it was like we were there. Like, it's, it's like just, you know, but it, it was a great film. And I love the, I love dialogue heavy movies and television shows where it just, you know, like Devin said, the writing is so snappy that it just keeps you engaged like the entire time. Yeah. I was, I was honestly kind of blown away by the writing. Cause it's like, obviously no one's always great at directing, but then when he writes a script like this, it's like, Whoa, that's mm. it's doing double time. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier that this movie is distributed by universal pictures. Cause of course, um, Christopher Nolan has left Warner brothers altogether, uh, especially after the, uh, 2020 kerfuffle, I guess you could say where Warner brothers or more so I should say AT&T at the time who owned Warner brothers, they decided just out of nowhere, Hey, we're going to have like a dual release. We're going to release our entire 2020 uh, movie schedule. It's going to be like a dual release on HBO Max, RIP. Um, <laughs> and it's now known as Max. It's going to be a dual release on HBO Max and in theaters. And they didn't tell anyone about it. Like they didn't tell any directors working on the project. Like there was no heads up. They just decided to go ahead and do it. And I understand their thought process when it comes to, hey, you know, we're trying to give our audience what they want, but they definitely could have handled that so much better. And that is when Christopher Nolan decided to, you know, cut his ties with Warner Brothers and said, I'm going to go with Universal Pictures. I think that was a smart move, though, because Universal Pictures is one of the few studios, I think, that really let what that allows directors and these projects to experiment and kind of have their own form of identity, if that makes sense. But yeah, this could have been a Warner brothers. We could have had two Warner brothers movies back to back, but I don't think they would have dropped both. If, if these were both, if Barbie and Oppenheimer were both Warner brothers films, I don't think they would have dropped on the same weekend. It, it didn't, yeah. it wouldn't make any sense. No, they would have separated it. Yeah, for but sure. But did you so. see? Uh, did you see the budget for this one? I sent that over. Um, no, actually, I did not get a chance to look at it. Uh, what was the budget for Oppenheimer? The budget was only a hundred million. Like, 
Really? For a blockbuster three-hour epic like this, it's a hundred million. Like that's pretty crazy to me. You know what? Like Indiana, Indiana Jones was what three hundred million. The Flash was three hundred million. Like all these movies, even all the Disney Plus shows are two hundred million plus. Like for them to make this movie on that budget, that's insane. Oppenheimer was only a hundred million. Yeah. So I was looking at Dune because I know that was more on the lower-ish side, but no, apparently it's not. It was around 165 million US dollars. Like that is insane. It's really impressive, and should should really be an inspiration for other studios. Like I you agree, can, you don't need to pump in 300 million plus. No, that's that's no, why there's yeah. been so many flops this summer. Yeah, that is very true, you know, and when it when usually when it comes to, you know, big budget projects, they they are usually end up, you know, kind of all being the same and that's what we've kind of seen, you know, when it comes to, you know, the big budget films and it's like, man, 100 million for Oppenheimer, that is awesome. Like that is a really great deal. I don't I like I don't need this movie to hit like the billion dollar club or anything. But that is really impressive. And it really puts a lot of things into perspective. Like, I believe, like, Spider-Man No Way Home was around, like, 200 million U.S. dollars. Interstellar, another another Nolan movie, was around uh, 165. But Arrival by uh, Denis Villeneuve, that was 47 million U.S. dollar budget. So, and that, and that's a fantastic movie. Everyone may not like it because of the sci-fi element, but like, but it still looks as good as like any, you know, I guess you could say any Indiana Jones movie that's out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's just, it's just fun to think about. Like you just gotta, you gotta help with these budgets, get them down. Especially the Disney, the Disney plus shows being 200 million plus is crazy to see. Are they really? Ooh. ooh, yeah. Yeah. Like last, last three have been. Ah, that's right, man. I didn't even think about that. Like when it comes to, I mean, obviously if it's like super, like if it's game of Thrones or something like that, the last of us, obviously, but like those are, you know, that's, but we're actually getting a, a, not a good story, but like a longer story, you know, the last of us was what? Nine episodes. Um, and it's like, I mean, we got a nine episode season with series with Disney plus, but it was more on the shorter side, which is fine with a uh, she Hulk, but man, it it's like, I feel like if you're putting that much money into a show, like a Disney plus show, just making a movie because especially for this, you know, the cinematic universe, but I'm getting off topic. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure apologize. we'll be discussing that next week when we cover secret invasion. Yes. Yes. That's right. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. So let's actually get into our final thoughts and ratings for Oppenheimer, Devin, what are your final thoughts and ratings for this film? Yeah, this is definitely like a near masterpiece from Nolan. Uh, I don't really know how, where I'd rank it amongst the others. Interstellar always has a place in my heart. Dark Knight, obviously, it's always going to be up there. So it's it's definitely it's probably top three at this point. Definitely top five as far as Nolan movies goes. For sure, um, I love I love this one. It kind of starts with a bang with Florence Pugh. And then in the middle, you get a bang. <laughs> in the middle, you get a bang with the uh, with the the a bomb, and then it kind of goes out with a bang with Emily Blunt and that, and that, that scene in the interrogation Woo! room. That was that was she fire. Liked. 
she let him have it. <laughs> she yeah, like, I love the, the symmetry of that. And uh, kind of contrasting with Barbie, I love the final line in this one. Like that one really sticks with you. That's just the quote. The, it was the famous quote from Oppenheimer. Now I, I am become death destroyer of worlds. Oh, like, that's yeah. 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 That just hits you. <laughs> and it, it really is crazy to think about. It's like, it's not like bombs go away. Like, they're no. still out there and there's no, who knows how big they are or how big they've gotten, how big they're going to get. Like, it's just, it's crazy. It's scary to think about. Yeah. Well, not only that, it's like, I mean, we, you know, I mean, Japan is, I mean, it may not seem like it, but it's like, you know, everything that happened in World War II, like, I mean, there's still like recovering from that stuff. Like, I mean, radiation, like that stuff doesn't just go away. Like even if you, I'm not sure if you saw Chernobyl, but that was a fantastic um, mini series on HBO, and you know there's there's still radiation in that area within I believe it was within Russia with um like to this day, like that stuff doesn't just go away. That, that is one thing I was kind of contemplating after watching it. I was initially after the first um, watch, I was thinking that. I was wishing that they would have shown the actual bombs go off, like some kind of visual for that, because they kind of just cut to Lost a phone over. call where they where they yeah. mention that it happens. But then mm. the more you think about it, it's kind of like that might be a bit much. Just kind of have yeah. people relive that. I can understand the the creative decision to to not include that. I agree. Yeah, it kind of just happens off screen. And that is just, I, I think that's more than fine. Cause obviously, you know, it is a touchy subject already yeah. when it comes to, you know, everything that, that happens with the Manhattan project. And I'm also glad uh, that they kind of kept Oppenheimer. They, they kind of leave it up to you to decide what you think of Oppenheimer. He's not painted as a hero. He's not painted as a villain. It's kind of, I mean, everyone's going to use the word anti-hero cause that's just like the number one catch catch word but it's up for you to decide yeah like I, I would view him as just i would just view him as a human like a human being he, he's just a overall gray character where you know he obviously you can say oh he's anti-hero he walks the line and between it's like no he really was just that he was he was just a man who so happened to have friends on all sides of in, in every political corner that you can ever think of. And he, he was just a, he, he was just him. Like, you know, he, he was just a great character. That's what, that's what I like about, you know, even when it comes to game of Thrones, like you've seen with house of the dragon. Um, and if you ever watch succession, it's like no one in, especially with like within Westeros for house of the dragon and game of Thrones, like no one's really perfect in that sh- in those shows. Like everyone has like this gray morality attached, like attached to them. Like no one's fully good. Like obviously, Oppen- you can't really paint Oppenheimer as a hero, but you necessarily can't paint him as a villain either. And I think anti-hero is not the correct word. For him, I don't yeah, know. Mor- what morally is. gray is probably the yeah, better phrase. Yeah, yeah, morally gray character, and that's what I like to see in these, in this movie, and in other, like you know, when it comes to film and television, where you have these characters 
who obviously like Oppenheimer had his own selfish interest. Like he was a scientist, you know, like it, it would, it would be a huge like slap in the face. It goes against everything that he believed in. If he didn't pursue, you know, the assistance in helping building the atomic bomb, because that's what scientists do. But, you know, it's just, you can't say, oh, he's a great man. Some people may paint him that way. And I think the film did a great job, especially during after the bombs hit where he goes to like that rally. Um, and, you know, everyone's like cheering and whatnot, like that great cut in cut out where he's like talking and he just can't hear anything because it's like he's like, oh, I built this. That's awesome. You know, like I, I did the thing and they're like, oh. So, yeah, we're going to take this and it's not just like an arms race to who can create like an atomic bomb. We're going to use this like during the war. And then like he knows that it's going to be used. But then when it happens, something shifts inside of him and it's like, you know, oh, like it's this is one of those things. But I'm sorry. I did not need to hijack. Your yeah, there's a lot thought. to discuss because it's a three-hour epic. It, it really is. But what would you uh, give for rating lies for Oppenheimer? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's a near masterpiece. I'm probably going to go with like a 94 overall. Oh. There's not many issues. There there could be some patient things here and there for yeah. people, but it overall is just so technically well-made. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I, I totally and totally agree. It's like, it's, it's fantastic. I'm just gonna, I'm going to give it a solid 90 as well for me. Cause I feel like I already gave my special or not my special, excuse me. I already feel like I gave my final thoughts there. So I'm just, cause within both, I mean, I need to see it again. Cause there was a lot happening, not saying it was bad, but you know, I'm giving, obviously I gave Barbie a 90, giving this a 90, just said, keep within the you know the the kenergy the synergy the 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 opper the oppy heimery energy you know to a point so from 94 from devin and the 90 from me um that is an official 92 out of 100 of our official podcast score all together for Oppenheimer. So with all that said, that concludes today's double feature review. If you like what you heard on today's review, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast platform of choice and make sure to follow us on Twitter threads and Instagram at film optics. That is optics with an X. Don't forget to share an episode of our podcast with a fellow movie lover, whether it be your mother, your brother, or your significant other spread the love of the film optics podcast with a movie lover in need. Now let's take a sneak peek of what's coming up next on the show. So coming up next, we have our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, (laughs) Mutants of Mayhem review alongside our review of Haunted Mansion. And of course, we're going to be covering the season finale of Secret Invasion that is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. We have one more episode left to go, so we're going to be covering episodes three through six. All four of those episodes. It's going to be a lot of fun. And what you can listen to right now on the show, you can listen to our Joyride spoiler-free review as well as our Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 
review. And you can listen to me give my thoughts on The Last of Us 4K Blu-ray package that released a few days ago. So those are a few things that you can uh, listen to on our podcast as of right now. And as always, thank you all for listening. And if you enjoy the show, please take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and make sure to stay connected with us again through threads, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest updates. I'm Christian and that was Devin signing off. And remember, life is like a movie. So go out there and make it a blockbuster. Peace.